96-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey, kids! Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Everybody, and welcome back to Hey Kids Comics. Another year, another season. More inane babbling and out of context commentary from one person who really should know better and one who has been led astray. Did you just fart? Yep. Did you just move, lift up your buttocks, and slide one out? You couldn't do that before we started recording. Did yeah, I don't fully brood up? Oh, you're. <laughs> Couldn't have just not mentioned it. No, because the way he, he did it, and I've got to sit now, and he's fart juices. Oh dear God! I'm Andrew Leyland, and I'm Michael Leyland, and I'll let you decide which one of us is the one who's been led astray, and which one of us should know better. Uh, this week, I'm very excited about this week oh. and the next three weeks. We are delving into the next three. The next, well, two. Yes, it's oh. going to be three shows total, isn't it? We're delving into the first of the major comics crossovers, Marvel Superheroes, Secret Wars. How awesome's that? Which Secret Wars? The Marvel Superheroes, Secret Wars. Not Secret War. No. Secret Wars. I don't know why it's war plural. <laughs> There's only one war going on, wasn't there? More, more of them happened. Yeah, little, little side skirmishes took There's place. There's that one we did, didn't know about. <laughs> With the West Coast Avengers. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't bother covering. All the characters that weren't in this yeah. were off fighting little side battles like Daredevil. Alpha Flight versus the East Coast Avengers. <laughs> Uh, the reasons the Secret Wars came about are covered in numerous places, including the introduction to the trade paperback, which I have here. But here's a quick overview for those that are not familiar with it, or don't have the trade paperback, or have never even read the series. DC had a very successful toy line, and a completely different toy manufacturer contacted Marvel to do one with them. I don't know who the DC one was, but I think Marvel was Mattel. Did DC not have DC Direct then? No, they didn't have any of that then. They, they worked with different companies. Uh, Secret War. Marvel agreed, and together they came up with a toy line and a comic book series that could debut simultaneously. Secret Wars was a 12-issue maxi-series featuring all the major heroes and villains, plus a few new ones, of the time in a galaxy-spanning epic. It had some major and minor ramifications on the superhero books of the day, particularly Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four, and was a phenomenal success, sales-wise, anyway. However, as we are a British podcast, which some people have pointed out our deliciously silly accents... Oh, oh I love that. I should have opened with that. Hey, kids, comics, sufficiently silly. I love that quote. Hey, and that podcast is sufficiently silly. <laughs> Thank you, Gabriel. We're on T-shirts. What do you reckon? Okay. Sufficiently silly. Um, <laughs> however, I was always saying we are British, and I wanted to concentrate on how was Brits first saw Secret Wars, which was slightly different to the American format. Was it good over here? Oh, you're letting your, <laughs> you're letting people know what you think of it before they can turn off now. Yeah. What's the point of listening? 
it's going to be, oh, well, Andrew's going to like it and Michael's not going to. And then next time they'll do something recent and Michael won't, will like it and Andrew won't. What's the couple like, Michael? That's <laughs> all right. You, we should do the other way around. Yeah. You should say, what's the cover like, Dad? And I should say, it's all right. <laughs> Mix it up a little. Mix it up a little, yeah. Secret Wars was announced to the US comic reading public by the Marvel Hype Box in a house ad in early 1984. At this time, I was still reading a few of the UPK reprint books, particularly Spider-Man. As, although I was able to get old of US comics around this time, I still quite liked the UK editions, particularly for the, the nifty covers and posters and free gifts that they would give away. Um, This was the beginning of the end of that. Marvel UK announced that when Spider-Man received his much ballyhooed makeover and his spanking new black and white costume, they would not be following their US counterparts. All the US comics leading up to Secret Wars, Amazing Spider-Man 251, X-Men 180, Cap 292, Iron Man 181, Hulk 294, Thing 10, amongst many others, had a final page that teased the Secret Wars by having the lead characters investigate a large construction that had appeared in Central Park overnight and then vanished within. These endings were edited off all of the stories that Marvel UK printed, and instead we were treated to an all-new story by the Marvel UK team, including art by Mike Collins, in which Spidey came to London to appear on the TV talk show, TVAM, uh, Wide Awake Club, I think it was, actually. Uh, This was in the UK Spider-Man comic 607 through 610. They followed this up with a three-part story, The Scorpion Takes a Bride, actually a reformatted and re-edited version of Amazing Spider-Man Annual 18, and then they went back to publishing the US strips, where Spidey was now back in the red and blues, re-edited to remove any references to the black and white costume. Wacky, huh? Did you follow that? Yes, so Secret Wars never happened in England. No, nah, well, this was because the US Secret Wars was a monthly comic, as most American comic books are. And over here, we had to wait to have a bank of issues in the can before we could start publishing it. This we did in a bi-weekly comic called Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. Dated the 27th of April to the 10th of May 1985, the first UK issue came with a free rub-down. No, sorry, a free rub-down transfer and featured the entire first issue. The series ran for 31 issues, with some US issues being split over four to five UK equivalents. There was Backup Strips, Alpha Flight by John Byrne in the Iceman Limited series. Also, there was a special UK Spider-Man strip with art by Barry Kitson in issue 25 to coincide with Spider-Man and Jim Shooter appearing on the Saturday morning kids show The Wide Awake Club, and host Tommy Boyd appeared in the comic strip also. After 31 issues, it became Secret Wars 2 and ran for a further 48 issues. So it was the same as the current Batman and DC and Marvel books where they were a few years behind. Yeah, we were, we were a year behind by the time it all finished, more or less. The US Secret Wars, however, came out on January 24th, 1984, with an excellent cover by Mike Zeck and John Beatty, still riding high after their successful run on Captain America. This image of a team of Marvel heroes running out of the cover towards an unseen enemy is fantastic, and there are three versions available. Did you know this? Um, yeah. Uh, The initial promo art and poster for the series featured Mr. Fantastic Thor 
and Kitty Pride on it. Mr. Fantastic and Thor were removed from the art to make way from the logos when the issue went to press. In the house ads for the series, Thor and Mr. Fantastic were nowhere to be seen, but Kitty was still present. As she didn't feature in the story at all, she was also removed from the actual cover. There's a version of the pencils that feature Colossus in a different place, and Cannonball as well, but as far as I can determine, this version never made it to print. Colossus is moved on the printed version to above She-Hulk. Alex Ross did a version for the Omnibus, and there has been the obligatory Marvel Zombies parody. Which was for the first printing? Or only for the first printing. Yeah. Was it never used again? Every printing had a different cover. Right. And you looked for a long time to buy me the first printing for Christmas. And did I get it? Yeah. I'm the best dad ever. (laughs) From the internet, and I completely neglected to write down the website that I saved this from, so I'm really, really sorry. At the end of all three episodes, I will be acknowledging the various sources that I've used throughout these shows. I completely forgot this. I've managed to find the Mike Zek pencils for this cover, which is 17 different kinds of awesome. Uh, Compared to the cover that saw print, this, like we say, Colossus is over by Nightcrawler, uh, whereas on the printed cover he replaces Cannonball underneath the Thing's armpit. Kitty Pride, Shadow Cat, as she was then, is missing, as are Mr. Fantastic and Thor. What do you think of that cover, Michael? Well, the pencils looks too busy, like there's a lot going on. It's good, but it just looks like there's a lot going on. But the printed one here looks like there's too little. Oh, there's no pleasing you, that is not. Uh. <laughs> I think the pencils are awesome. I think they're fantastic. I think they are so much better than the printed one. And I don't know why, there's nothing wrong with the colouring on the cover as it is. Can the combined might of Earth's most powerful superheroes defeat the ultimate menace, proclaims the the cover copy. But the pencils are just awesome. I may, if I remember, I may put this on the website instead of the actual cover so that people can actually go and have a look at it. Because it is 17 different kinds of cool. I find that a lot though, that the pencils are better than the artwork. And it often gives me a lot more respect for the actual artists okay. to see their pencils. What do you think's busy about it? Why do you think it looks busy? Do you well, think it's just too much? Yeah, there's too many people, though. I like it that there's no, there's no perspective problems with it. No. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't look like Hawkeye is too big for where he should be. Yeah. I think it's, the Zek's handling of the perspective on that cover is excellent. I like it. I like the cover. But I I love the pencils. The first issue is called The War Begins. It was written by Jim Shooter, who wrote all 12 issues of the series, with art by the aforementioned Mike Zek and John Beattie. Letters were by Joe Rosen, colours were by Christy Scheel, and it was edited by Tom DeFalco. My trade paperback, which we'll be referring to throughout the run of the series, has a cover by Carlos Pacheco, which isn't as good as the Zek cover. What do you think? It's It's not, is it? I don't know, it's just... Not as good as the Mike Zek cover. Even though everyone's done a heroic fighting position. Yeah, it's just not as impressive. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. Uh, Bob Wyasek inked it. Um, Another thing that you're going to notice as we go through, I'm referring to the page numbers of the trade paperback. Yeah, I did too. I'm really sorry about that, but I just could not be bothered keep going back and counting the individual pages of the issues. It just became too much like hard work. And um, this shouldn't be work. 
this should be fun. Uh, the trade paperback begins with an introduction by Tom DeFalco, which basically goes over what I just said in the introduction to the show. Uh, and then a few pages from the various books of the time of the different heroes vanishing into the edifice in Central Park. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 251 is represented, as is X-Men 180, Captain America 292... Hulk 294 and the thing number 10. Oh, issue 181 of Iron Man. Sorry about that. Uh, me not reading it properly. Before going into the story proper. The edifice that all the heroes are disciplined to in Central Park rematerializes in the middle of space. Across the way, another construct appears full of ne'er-do-wells. The cast of characters are given are the heroes, the Wasp, the She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, Iron Man, Professor Xavier, Storm, Nightcrawler, Rogue, Cyclops, Wolverine, Colossus, Lockheed, Hulk, Spider-Man, Mr. Fantastic and the Human Torch. The villains are represented by the Enchantress, Ultron, the Absorbing Man, the Wrecker, Thunderball, Piledriver, Bulldozer, Kang, Galactus, the Lizard, the Molecule Man, Doctor Octopus and Doctor Doom. On the face of it, this looks a bit one-sided in the face of the heroes, doesn't it? Yeah. However... You've got Galactus and Ultron. Yes, and the Absorbing Man's pretty damn powerful. And so's Kang, and so's Doctor Doom. So even though there are more heroes than villains, I would actually say on a power level, the heroes are outclassed. Yeah, but Galactus can just eat them all. Well, as you will see. Did he bring his knife and fork? He brought his knife and fork with him, yes. Uh, bridging the gap is Magneto, who throughout this entire series plays both sides, I think it's fair to say. The thing whines about Magneto being with the heroes, but they are distracted when the galaxy around them is destroyed and reformed into a patchwork planet capable of supporting human and alien life. The villains fight amongst themselves for a bit before Galactus takes off after the strange being that brought them all here. Doom follows him. Galactus names the being the Beyonder, a name that seems to stick, before being blasted back to Earth like a fly with Doom caught in his wake. The heroes are awed by what they see, but as this is a Marvel book, it isn't long before they too start fighting amongst themselves. This is because Magneto, who Wasp considers a murderer, is with them, and when the X-Men stand up for him, there is a division in the ranks. Fed up, Magneto leaves and Captain America is elected leader of Team Hero. T-shirts with Team Hero and Team Bad Guy on Team Good Guy. Team Bad Guy. Team Bad Guy, meanwhile, have found a nice big condo and are kicking back when Doom decides to take command. They all rebel, but Doom crushes them all under a roof and takes off on his own. Gang doesn't like this, so he blasts Doom out of the sky with a big gun he just happens to find. This will be a recurring trope throughout the entire series. Doom's crashed spaceship is found by Team Hero, and they offer to help, but Doom blasts them as well. The remaining members of Team Bad Guy use this moment to attack. Uh, I've already mentioned how much of a lazy bugger I am by and large, and I'm using the trade paperback numbers, so hopefully you've got this trade paperback. I was watching The Secret Wars Omnibus just before Christmas, wasn't I? Yeah. On eBay, because it was only on for 20 quid, and I missed out by £3. Somebody won it for £23. It's three pounds too expensive. Oh, shut me. up. Uh, page 14 and 15 is the big two-page splash that introduces Team Hero. And the first clue we are given that this isn't Tony Stark in the Iron Man costume is when he doesn't understand what Reed says and when he exposits about where they are and how they got them. It's not addressed again, is it, that this isn't Tony Stark until way down the line when Iron Man has to do something with his armour. No, this is Rhodey. Yeah, I know it's Rhodey. But it's not... It's never addressed in here. I thought it was later on. Where uh, much later on down the line, it's addressed that it's not Tony Stark by the characters. Right. It's not something that's dwelled was that upon. Was the bit where it 
in issue four. Is that where Reed's modifi- modifying the, his armour? Underneath the mountain, Yeah, and he has yeah. to modify his armour and stuff, yeah. Uh, the Thing rightly points out that Magneto shouldn't be with them. Rightly, yes, but stupidly. Magneto is probably the most powerful being there after the Molecule Man. Granted, he denies murdering innocents on page 17, only to admit to singing the submarine, a submarine, Rushmoney, killing all hands aboard ten pages later. Of course, Magneto being an extremist, he brushes this off as an act of war. That being said, the Wasp is a bit of an arrogant ass, both with her attack on Magneto and her assertion that we're the Avengers and we're famous and everyone knows who we are, but I'll introduce us anyway. Shtick. Mm. What did you think of the Wasp? Don't know. I found her a bit insufferable in this. She was a tad annoying, yeah. Yeah, it's... It was going for slightly lackadaisical woman, I think. (laughs) But... It just doesn't work. She's supposed to be leader of the Avengers. Is she? Yeah, at this point in continuity. What happens like, to Captain America? I don't think Captain America was leader at this point. I may be wrong on that. Did, did he step down to have a quick cup of tea? Maybe he just. Maybe it was just the 80s they thought we need to have a woman in charge. Fair enough. Which is fine. I don't mind that. But I kind of think She-Hulk's probably better qualified. Yeah. Given that she's A, a lawyer, therefore smart, and B, very, very powerful. Yeah. But that's it just me. turn small. And doesn't turn small. Well, she turns into a normal, regular woman. Uh, no mention is made of how Team Bad Guy got there. Magneto says he was transported from his secret lure, but if the Beyonder can do that, why bother with the Central Park construct? Why not just beam everybody out? Because the bad guys wouldn't have gone to the big construct as the good guys would. You think that's all it is? There is work. As far as I can ascertain, there is no mention of how the bad guys got there throughout the entire maybe, maybe story. Maybe this Beyonder's quite laser. Well, he, he knew that the heroes would bring themselves there and just wanted the villains. Yeah, possibly. Because he has chosen villains that are all pretty dumb, yeah. with the exception of Doom, Octopus, Kang, and Galactus. That's just like colouring error, though. Where's there a colouring error? That bit, though, that blue, which should be purple. Page 16, the top of his glove. No, yeah. the, the, he's, he, the bottom of his skirt. Oh, yes, there is a slight colouring error on page 16 that one would have thought they'd have fixed for the trade paperback. Uh, there's an awful lot of exposition to squeeze in here, and even the best writer would struggle with all of this. That being said, an awful lot of this is clumsily handled and very stilted in his delivery, isn't it? Mm. The, the intro with, ah, oh, we are, I am Professor X, and this is Storm, and this is Colossus. And, um, it's especially calling. Yeah, let's take a register, everybody. We're all on a field trip. We need to take Get a register. Get into first, take yes. out. Don't go away without telling a teacher. <laughs> Who do you think the teacher would be, Cap or Professor X? Both. <laughs> Um, it's especially galling as a lot of this could have just been rewritten as caption boxes mm. freeing the characters up to talk like you know real people <laughs> which fails I would also argue that the inclusion of Galactus in Team Bad Guy is a mistake okay. why is Galactus a bad guy? he's not but I suppose you could class him as a bad guy because well he wanted to eat Earth yeah but he's only eating earth as Reed Richards has pointed out himself in the burn run on the Fantastic Four he only wants to eat earth because he needs to eat planets to survive yeah doesn't he have silver surfer to go find him dead planets he's, the surfer did try to find him dead planets I think but it's not always possible right. but it's like he's no more a bad guy than you are for eating chicken yeah to be honest with although Morrissey would disagree with us wouldn't he <laughs> um, I think Galactus is pretty badass yeah. And he's the only one who outright and straightforwardly attacks the Beyonder. 
whereas Doom is every bit as cowardly as he always is and just tries to coast up on uh, Galactus's coattails, doesn't he? That's perfectly in character with Doom, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Shooter does struggle with the characters of an awful lot of characters throughout the 12 issues, but Doom's not one of them. He nails Doom perfectly. Uh, Galactus gives the big... the Bing? The Chandler Bing? Uh, the being the name The Beyonder. But how does Xavier know how to call him that? Telepathic communication. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think this is the first example of Xavier intruding on somebody's mind without asking? Well, Something that he does an awful lot throughout the run of the series. Yeah, I noticed that. There was a bit that made me laugh. Yeah. Um, well, okay, I'll buy that. You've, you've no prize that. I mean, he's in a different building for Galactus in a different part of space. Hmm. But go on, I'll, I'll buy that Professor Xavier was mentally. He did use Monitoring it to them. check who was on the other ship. That's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You've no prize that. Well awesome. done. Where's um, my envelope? Where's your, where's your empty envelope? Uh, Wolverine says at the bottom on page 27, Cyclops is a jerk, but he's our jerk. Yet he's characterised as being a humongous jerk himself throughout all 11 issues. There's one bit, all I think 11. in issue, 12 issues, sorry, yeah. in issue 9 or 10, where he finally concedes that maybe Captain America knows what he's talking about. But okay. for the most part, if Wolverine's just a known, jerk. If anyone would it would have been Wolverine. Well... Didn't the two fight in World War Two? Yeah, well, this is obviously before that. I mean, he won't take orders from Cap in this, yeah. saying that he's the least of us. Gee, you wonder why no one trusts mutants. This is especially rich from someone who doesn't have any superpowers in terms of strength. Cap would probably take the little runt in a fur fight, couldn't he? Yeah. You know what I reckon? Especially given that he's got an adamantium sleet shield to counteract the adamantium claws. Immovable object in the unstoppable force. But, there does, there, I could be completely wrong here, but it doesn't seem to have the retcon that you were just talking about that Wolverine fought in World War II with Cap. When did they introduce that? I have no idea. Uh, no clue about that. Okay. Um, that's something somebody would have to write in and let us know. I remember know. you told me that at Costco. Did I? <laughs> that's how boring Costco trips are. <laughs> we talk about comics. Um, I reckon Cap could take Wolverine. Who yeah. would win in a fight between Cap and Wolverine? At this point, Cap could take Wolverine because Cap's got military training as well. He takes some damage. Whereas Wolverine, yes, he would, but Wolverine's a bruiser. Cap's trained. I reckon Captain America is, could take Wolverine. Is Wolverine not trained in his Japanese skills yet? Oh, has the Wolverine miniseries happened at this point? 1984? You know, it may have done. That may be what, so Wolverine's the ninja assassin at this point. Yeah? It's possible. I still think Cap could take him. Okay. Is my opinion. I could be wrong about that. If you want to write in and let us know who <laughs> you think could win in a battle between Cap and Wolverine, because that's one of the things I love about comics. Yeah. Who would win in a fight between? We don't do enough of that anymore. We're all more interested in if you see what JMS posted on Facebook instead of who would win in a fight between. I love we, stuff we like should that. do Facebook statuses like that now. Yeah, who would win in a fight between? I'm all down with that. At this point in Marvel continuity, the Hulk has Bruce Banner's brain, but this seems to be fading rapidly. Did you get yeah. that? Did you, did you find this in any way confusing, given you, your very lack of knowledge of Marvel continuity well, at this time? From what I've figured and what you've told me, Hulk changes every time he turns into the Hulk. So one time he could change and he's really smart, or he could change and he's really dumb, or he can change and he's... Wasn't that when Peter David was merging them all together? I think that was that was much later than this. That was the end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties. Mm. Um, we're already setting up the X Men as being ostracised from the main group. Which plays into the whole sworn to protect 
Yeah. Um, a people that hate and fear them. Although I don't think anyone here hates and fears them. Although Hawkeye and Wasp are a bit, you know. Um, the Wasp says the title on page 29. Uh, this is a drinking game I play with your mum all the time. When somebody says the title, because we're off in a strange land up to our ears in a little secret war. There you go. Take a drink. To do this, I must become Superman 4. <laughs> I don't like drugs in my town. I'm a family guy. You uh, said it. Page 32. When Doom steals the spacecraft after wiping out Team Bad Guy, there looks like an added word balloon. The one on panel 3. Yeah. Do you know what I think? I see that the Beyonder has even provided me with the means to do so. It would make sense that that was an added word balloon. Because other than that, it just looks like Doom suddenly knows where to find a spacecraft. Yeah. Again, a recurring trope throughout this entire series. Mm. They will suddenly, conveniently, find something that helps them in their quest. Look at that convenient ramp. Yes. It's like the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> like convenient wrapped up as jump over Roscoe's car. It's just like that. Yes. Uh, page 33. The Hulk is carrying the thing while Spider-Man webs on his back. The thing is so totally defying the laws of gravity, though. Yeah. Isn't he? He, he wouldn't hang like that, would he? Belly. He'd be like, ah! Dangling, to be honest with you. Um, what did you think of it, Michael? Well... Pages 14 and 15. Is that the the big two-page splash? Yes, yes it is. Yes. Well, now, I noticed, because my minor little things bug me. Well, I noticed all... You're the, a pedant. Well, yes. Is this pedantry calling now, then? Yeah. Okay. Well, all the X-Men are wearing their costumes. Yes. Whereas in the previous issue, they were all wearing normal clothes. Oh, when they disappeared into the what's-his-name. Yeah. Yes. Do they mention that? They do. I wrote these notes, and then I read in a later issue that what's his face the Beyonder the Beyonder fixed things well fixed things like Charles would be in a wheelchair yeah because he's yeah. not in his wheelchair in X-Men continuity at this point is he yeah. so they do address that I wonder if that was addressed simply because somebody spotted that it was an error it is yeah. possible that Secret Wars number one was written and drawn before <clears throat> yeah before the issues yeah. that led into it so they didn't know at that point that the X-Men weren't going to be in the X-Men fighting togs. So it's not as bad as a continuity within that issue of Fantastic Four where Reed picks out a sandwich from the fridge which is cut into squares, but then when he eats it, it's cut into triangles. Which issue is that? It's in my Thorn of us. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Did we spot that? You did. You ate a did no- I? It annoyed you so much. <laughs> you were throwing the omnibus about. I don't think I threw What the is this heresy? For one thing, those omnibuses are bloody heavy. Mine's not. The no, the Thor ones. Yeah, the Thor ones relatively, relatively thin, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, page 16, panel 1. Yes. Now, if this was a film, everyone playing these characters are crap actors. Mm. They're all looking at the camera. And would you really line up to do a roll call <laughs> if you were teleported to a spaceship? Um, no, I... you'd go, wow, I'm in space! Well, yeah, particularly people like Spider-Man, yeah. who aren't noted for being space travellers. He'd probably be quite excited about this, wouldn't he? Well, coming to think of it, the Avengers... The X-Men and definitely the Fantastic Four would be, though. Well, yeah, but the X-Men... You could argue the X-Men and the Fantastic Four especially have explored space before. The X-Men with the Shi'ar. Yeah, with the Shi'ar, yes. Whereas Spider-Man would be like, what the hell? (laughs) Maybe even the Hulk. Yeah. Although the Hulk's been off-planet a couple of times, hasn't he? Yeah. If memory serves. More recently. Well, yeah, with World War Hulk and stuff, yeah. 
um, a page 17 panel one. Yes. And then the villains do go, exactly. go ahead and do the same. The same thing. Although yeah. <laughs> the, the page layouts make it look like the top two pages, the top two panels of the two pages is a banner with all the characters on it. Yeah. It is. It's, see, on the one hand, the, the art is well structured. Yeah. Even if the dialogue is risible in terms of. I get that he had to do this. He had to introduce everyone. Mm. There may be people picking up this book who've never picked up a comic before. They may know Spider-Man and the Hulk is, and that's as far as it goes. So I get that he had to do it. But Marv Wolfman had a lot more characters with Christ and Infinite Earths and mm. did it a lot better. Yes, he did, to be fair. Wolfman mm. did, did handle the cast of characters a lot better in Crisis and Infinite Earths. Mm. Um, at page 18, panel 3. Yes. Thurs looks like he's pushing that a really <laughs> big far. No, he doesn't. He's look at my eyes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh, that, that one better not get in your uh, armor, Iron Man. Jesus. Galactus um, is by far my favourite character already, but I Ultron flying into him and Galactus just... Swipes him. Looking at him yeah. and drains the power out of him. Yeah, Galactus is pretty damn cool in these early issues. Yeah. I really do like him. Um, Ultron also seems out of place here as well as Galactus he, he's an evil killing robot and here he is just shooting bad guys because he's confused yeah mm. it, it seems a bit silly I would say that they've been randomly chosen for the toy line that inspired the comic book series but when we get to the toy line at the end of episode 3 you'll see that that's not true mm. but we'll, we'll leave you teased the, the, the Transformers comic with that what do you think of it overall Um. well just say it as as you as you read it. As I read it, yes. it, it seemed like it was trying too hard to be Christ on Infinite Earths. Right. It, all the heroes and the villains coming together. The first scene on the ship was straight out of it, yep. and the mysterious figure uniting all the characters. Right. A valid point. I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. Right. I am merely going to point out that this came out before Christ on well, Infinite I, Earths. I didn't know. No, no, that's fine. I, read Your Christ point first. still stands. Yeah. The two series are very similar, and it's. It's going to be inevitable, I think, that we are going to be playing comparison as we go through. Uh, first off, I want to get right out of the way. I don't think this is anywhere near as good as Crisis on Infinite Earths. No. Nowhere. That's not to say I don't enjoy this. Yeah. I was surprised by how much I remembered of this, given that I haven't read this since 1985. Mm. I haven't read this since the British reprints. I won this trade paperback. What to do Last, this in September? No, I won it because it was only a fiver. Yeah. I mean, it's not in the best of conditions, so I can see why it was only a fiver. But I won it because I wanted to read it again, mm. and I've never, I've never picked this up again. But the stories came from two completely different places. Crisis on Infinite Earths existed to tell our story. There yeah. was a perceived problem with the DC universe and all the alternate universes and the different Earths that some editorial members of the DC board thought this needs fixing. Whether you agree with that or you don't agree with that, it came from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. This came from the desire to sell a bunch of toys. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with a comic book about toys. Transformers, Transformers was a yeah, very successful series. ROM yeah. is an exceptionally good series, by all accounts, based on a toy. Star Wars is based on a toy line, essentially. It just yeah. happened that the film came first. Uh, but now it's more famous for its merchandise. So there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But Crisis comes from a position of wanting to tell a story. Mm. And this comes from a position of, right, well, we're going to do this toy line, what can we do? Yeah. So, there you go. I preferred Crisis because, even though they were essentially the same, and I 
I don't not like Crisis. I love Crisis on Infinite Earth. I'm not a big fan of it because of the style of writing. So you um, you think Marv Wolfman's old fashioned as a writer? Yeah, though. but it, this Secret Wars is very silly. You think? In how it's written, yeah. Okay, fair enough. These are valid points. And uh, there are various points throughout this where I will agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I've already mentioned the risible expository dialogue. Mm. That I'm sure they could have done that better. Death but, by exposition. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think the first issue is very simplistically written. Uh, that belies the sophistication that comics went through as they matured in the early 80s. In many ways, it's an interesting artefact of its time. It's none of the adult appeal of Miller's Daredevils or even Burns' FFs. But uh, it's got a certain charm to it. Do you not, did you not think? Enjoyable. Oh. At its heart, it's one of those old episodes of Star Trek. An omniscient or omnipotent being kidnaps the heroes to see what makes humans tick. How many times was that done in Star Trek? Beyond just Q. Or he's the Squire of Gothos. Or any other number of... The, the one with the baby. Which one? Well, the one with the funny alien that turns out to be a puppet and it's a talking baby instead. Oh, the Corbomite Manoeuvre. Yeah. Yeah, any number of Star Treks that did this. <laughs> I really like that one. Yeah, it's great. Episode of the Corbomite Manoeuvre, I love that one. Um, we've already mentioned the dialogue's a bit risible. The characterisation is incredibly wonky in places. I thought they chose silly characters to go with, really. Well, they chose all the big heroes. I mean, there are a couple of notable omissions. Was Luke Cage... Captain Marvel. Was... Is a girl now. Yeah, did you not know that? Captain Marvel was introduced in an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Right. Spider-Man Annual. So is the guy Captain Marvel... Dead at this point. Right. Died of cancer. Yeah, so that has happened. Then. Yeah, that's already happened at this point. Um, I mean, despite I get this, against all the odds, Shooter somehow manages to create an interesting hole here that forces you to enjoy this even with its obvious limitations. The art by Mike Zeck and John Beatty helps, although this isn't the best work by far. It, um, and it fairly rattles along, moving from event to event at rollicking speed. To me, it looks like a bit of John Burney at times. Uh, it is quite Burney. Especially there, the first page of yeah, issue two. It's also very John Romita Senior yeah. in places. I mean, Zek and Beatty were just coming off a very, very successful run on Captain America. Mm. And I think their art in that is better than this. I don't know why. I just, I just think that way. Um, the story just starts and then just keeps going in contrast to the setup that would no doubt take place today. It's a fun, albeit flawed, read. Oh, it's flawed. <laughs> it, it's exceptionally flawed. It's not cack. It's got more holes in it than Swiss cheese. Yeah. Or Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, well, yeah, Joe Straczynski wrote Murder, She Wrote. So it never ended? No, it's got more holes in it than a Punisher bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Issue number two. Oh, but he just got your JMS joke. <laughs> Murder, She Wrote never ended. <laughs> Very funny. Very good. I applaud you. Is he going on a long walk? <laughs> a long, and boring never came walk. Back. <laughs> Oh, Mark Wade, we She's love still you. out there. Krasinski, yeah. Oh, dear me. Until she drops dead. <laughs> hey, issue two came out in the United States on February the 28th, 1984. And in the United Kingdom, split over two issues, two and three, on the 11th through 24th of May and the 25th of May through the 7th of June, 1985. The UK issue two had a new cover created especially for this market, whilst issue three reformatted the US cover, but came with a free Doctor Doom sticker. The US cover is Magneto, surrounded by the floaty heads of Team Hero, and was again by Zek Beatty. The UK edition came with a free sticker of Cap Shield. 
Which would you rather, Cap or Doom? Ooh. <laughs> I think this Captain America one was better. They started running out of stickers after a while. There are no differences in the credits for issue two. Called Prisoner of War, Team Hero gear up for an attack from Team Bad Guy. They managed to wipe out half of Team Hero in the first salvo, but Cap fought in World War II, and using his experience, he manages to cruise Team Hero to a victory. One nil to the hero. So he shoots him. Yes! It would be cool if he did. I don't think bullets would work on these guys, would they? For some of them. Maybe Molecule Man if he's not paying attention. Meanwhile, Doom has found the fallen body of Galactus and tries to communicate, but Galactus pays him no heed. Doom finds the lure of the villains and takes out the security measures and finds the inert body of Ultron taken out by Galactus' last issue. Whilst Team Hero finds their own base of operations and secures the prisoners, Cap gives orders to find food and living quarters before deciding to press the advantage they have. Team Bad Guy have returned to their lure to lick their wounds and find Doom and, with Ultron reactivated, he takes command. Magneto has made his way to Hero HQ, where he sets about doing something nefarious. When the heroes attack, Magneto makes short work of them and captures the Wasp, whilst the thing shifts back into human form unexpectedly. Cap won't let them go after Magneto, however, as the monitor screen show Galactus is preparing to strike. What did you think of that one, Michael? Tara? <laughs> Dude, that's another t-shirt. Hey, Kids Comics Podcast. It's all right. <laughs> um, I think the art looked very laser. The, uh, I mean, um, the most of it is just of the characters and the floor. There's no backgrounds on those panels. Oh, when they are, they're coloured in a different colour. Yellow. Like, you look on page 40 and 41, yeah, and pages panels 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and page 41, panel 5... Don't really, panel one, sorry, don't really have much in the way of backgrounds. Yeah. Go on, I'll, I'll give you that. And it, it may just be me, but it feels like Galactus shouldn't be in this. He doesn't fit in. He's and, not a bad guy. Well, no, but I'm sure he could just beat every character and fly off with his back and box with more planets. <laughs> well, he yeah. doesn't have to be here, you can just bugger off. Yeah, yeah. see, there's a point. Yes, but Galactus does play quite an important part later on. Okay. As you well, will the last I saw him, he did some dancing on a mountaintop. <laughs> some raving. Yeah. Kim Bez from the Happy Mondays. <laughs> um, on page 48, panel 2. Yes. Um, begs an interesting question. Just who is stronger? Hulk, Iron Man, or Thor? Ooh. Ah, see, i take Iron Man out of the equation. Right. Ultimately. I think Hulk could beat Iron Man to a tin can should he choose to do so. Because okay. the Madder Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets. And I also think Thor would have the advantage over Iron Man. Yeah. Between Hulk and Thor, that's a tough one. Thor's a god. Well. So you don't get much more powerful than God. But from what we've learned later. Yeah. However, the Madder Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets. So does that apply <laughs> indefinitely? Because if it does... So would it make Hulk stronger than a god? Yeah, see, that's a very good question, isn't it? Ultimately, I think that's immovable force meets irresistible object. So they just surrender and go by each other? Yeah, because ultimately I think that is a, a toe-to-toe battle that ah, wouldn't end. Mm-hmm. See, Hulk versus Superman. Superman has so many other powers in his arsenal that he can... Take bring to Burr yeah. in a fight with the Hulk that ultimately I think Superman would come out on top but Thor 
versus Hulk is a fascinating question. Anyway, Ben just I... sat down listening yeah. to this, going, "Oh, there's my next hundred issue series." Oh dear God! Yeah, go on. Um, uh, page fifty, panel three. Yes. Well, I don't know, Rhoda. Does Doctor J play Rambo? <laughs> Who's Doctor J? I don't know. What's round ball? ball Unless you play rugby or square ball. All balls around. (laughs) That's a jolly good point. That we don't know who Doctor J is and what's round ball. We now join our next sport, triangle ball. (laughs) Featuring Doctors Q and A. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair comment. Uh, page 51, panel 1, yeah. where it says, uh, Meanwhile, many hundred miles away in a distant, yet another massive structure broods over the terrifying terror. Terrain. <laughs> well, to me, it, it just read like, Meanwhile, in one of those ships from the Phantom Menace. It does look a little bit like the Federation trade ships from Phantom Menace. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, and it, it just occurred to me whilst reading this from the early Fantastic Four issues didn't Molecule Man have a wand? Maybe he said he didn't need a wand anymore maybe he can, if he can just do it with the power of his brain <laughs> maybe he just doesn't need a wand anymore who knows um, the rogues initially make short work of the heroes which is to be expected to be honest with you they attack surprisingly in press, a robot in a, in a giant tripod that they just happen to find <laughs> and happen to know how to work and have figured out how to use quite quickly given that they're not very bright um, especially with a wrecking crew on it yeah but the wrecking crew are very very powerful yeah so what they lack in intelligence they more than make up for in raw power except for Marvel Zombies well except for Marvel Zombies but that's you know um, see that's a lot of these villains are now considered lame by our super yeah. intelligent and ultra superior writers of today but in the right hands the wrecking crew are an awesome set of bad guys they're not the they're not the sharpest tools in the box they're not the brightest stars in the sky but in a battle with Thor these three guys can hold their own they really in can in the right hands anyone can be yeah enough. it's all in the writing yeah. it's all in how a writer handles specific characters but it, it makes sense to me here that just the raw power on display that the bad guys win the first battle yeah. initially and then captains it, it around. element of surprise? Yeah, that as well. There is an element of surprise here. Uh, in this not waiting for the trade aid, Shooter gives a one-page recap of last issue. In future issues, Shooter will just start using the introduction box at the top of page one to avoid this. However, I do like that this, this recap is just from Doom's point of view, the one on page 41. Yeah. So there's nothing about the heroes in here. It's all from Doom's perspective, which I like. I like that. I do love how Galactus rises. Yeah. He doesn't clamber up like a normal human. He floats up. He floats up. And then even then, he doesn't actually stand on the floor, he kind of hovers. Because yeah. he's just too cool for any of this. Walking's too mainstream. Yeah, walking's too mainstream for Galactus. <laughs> which is fair enough. Um, Doom talks to himself an awful, awful lot. While some might say this is the first sign of insanity, it's also in many ways you can only be sure of getting yourself a decent conversation. Well. In my he opinion. just likes his robotic voice too much. He does. Of course, Doom's constantly referring himself into the third person, making him out to be a bit of a tosser. And it's no <laughs> wonder he's always been beaten. The heroes just have to hang around for a bit 
and listening, <laughs> monologuing. Have you all right now? I know your plan. Good stop it. Tell us about that one time you went to the pub and that guy. <laughs> get, yeah. Verily, Doom did leave the house, and there were lesser men in the pub in they front of him. Watered down the ale, <laughs> and I had to queue. Doom had to queue for a pint of bitter. And Doom the, queues for no man. And the toilets <laughs> don't get me started on those toilets. <laughs> don't get Doom started on the toilets. He doesn't I say to, I. I had to wade through the piece to get to the urinal. And then Doom could not find his zipper. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Later on, in a subsequent issue, it will be established that Doom tapes himself all the time <laughs> because his thoughts are just so important. They have to be. That's why he talks to himself. Everything's kept for posterity. I just love the idea of Doom woke up this morning, Doom made eggs, Doom scratched himself a little. Can you, can you imagine if he had Facebook or Twitter, Doom just went to the toilet, Doom just ate an apple, Doom likes this. Doom hates our incompetent postal service, it is ruined by lesser men. Doom would run a much more competent postal service. Doom likes this. Doom posted it. Doom posted on your wall. <laughs> Doom posted photo of Doom. He likes this. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh god, you're making me cough. Um, I do love the language. <laughs> That's just set me off now. I love the language throughout the entire comic. It was due to comics that I had a present decent vocabulary at a young age and words like inert and erstwhile were words I used in school essays. I do wonder if Frederick Wortham was so opposed to comics because he feared that an intelligent, well-read audience of kids would grow up to be educated adults and educated adults are less likely to be controlled and manipulated. Did he put an E at the end of potato? Potato. <laughs> was it him? No, that wasn't Frederick Wortham. That was... D- 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 I forget. Yeah. Vice President at some... Was it Dan Quayle? Don't know. Maybe I'll he just thought he should have an E at the end because he had an E at the end of his name. I learned it in an issue of Clint. Did you? Yeah. Excellent. Good. Um, do you not think the Hulk's a stroppy murder throughout this entire issue? Oh, yeah. I think, I think the Hulk's quite stroppy anyway. Well, he's, he's not a guy who's, who's pleasant to get along with, uh, one wouldn't have thought. He only wants to be left alone. But he's, he's really whiny in this. Um, Cap calls the Hulk big guy. <laughs> and the YMCA music swells in the background. That moment right there started many a fanfic. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> Slash fiction, here we come. Um, She-Hulk's line, tubular... To the max. The 80s just called <laughs> It Wants Its Slang Back. Gnarly. Gnarly, dude. God, tubular to them. This is why, <laughs> if at all possible, pop culture references should be kept to a minimum. Yeah. Because that was probably out of date when this was printed. It was 20 years uh, out of date 20 years ago. Yeah, it's just shocking. Um, Cap and Reed have a conversation a bit later on where Reed apologises for him taking him so long to work all the circuitry. He had a couple of pages earlier, the, the dumbass bad guys, the wrecking crew, yeah. managed to work a tripod. And Cap says, I doubt the rest of us could have done it at all, Richards. It's all just a bit smutsy to maybe, me. Maybe the power on uh, retardo-ism. <laughs> uh, men don't talk about their feelings with their mates like this, do they? Oh, no. It's, this is not what we do. Those men punch people and drink yeah, beer. And we, we buy them a beer. Yeah. And say, so, there you go, mate. Plenty more fish in the sea. 
I'm you, a drip. you get next round. Yeah, <laughs> next round's yours. I don't care how mopey you are. Yeah. You're still paying. It's a bit too much like the TV show The Walking Dead, yeah. where Andrew Lincoln's character, it's Rick, isn't he? He's yeah. Rick. And, um, Shane. Rick and Shane. Are you mean always dead? Always talking about the feelings. Don't you have a wife? Yeah. No. God, and it's, it's just a bit much. To be honest with you. In a world surrounded by zombies, two men talk about feelings. <laughs> two men talk about their feelings all the time. Oh, and you thought that comic was dull. Um, the Walking Dead... Oh, it's not The Walking Dead. Wolverine is very disrespectful to Captain America on page 50. Yeah. You're nuts, flag man. Yeah. So really, flag man. Well done, Wolverine. Go with that one on your own. <laughs> oh, did, you, did you write it down? Did you wake up all night thinking of that? <laughs> no, only till about two o'clock. Well, I had all the World War Two to think about. Well, shut up! <laughs> Doctor Doom gives in a little bit too easily yeah. to Galactus here. Doom's as big a megalomaniac as Octopus is. Mm. I was waiting all the way through this entire 12-issue series for Octopus to turn around and stab Doom in the back. Yeah. And he never does. Okay. He never betrays him. Which is so out of character for Doctor Octopus, yeah. isn't it? He'd be quite happy for Doom to go and fight the Beyonder. He'd be quite happy for Doom to go and fight Galactus. But all the while he'd be going, Ah, Doctor Doom, he's a bit crap, isn't he? And then stab him in the back. Does this knife look a bit blunt to you? Oh, in fact, I think Doctor Octopus would stab him in the front. (laughs) To be honest with you. I don't think he'd bother around with the back stabbing. Um, All the men folk miss their wives and girlfriends. And my God, do they bang on about how much they miss are they not, wives and girlfriends. Are they not the, wi- the wives and girlfriends not manlier than they are? The wags. <laughs> the, wa- the superhero wags. Sue's back home going, oh, it's so good to get yeah, so good. Read. So good to have a couple of weeks off. Oh, yeah. Uh, Been holding wasp. that one in. The wasp. <laughs> well, she's pregnant at this point. <laughs> the wasp misses tea and cucumber sandwiches. Tea, the tea on the cucumber. Yes. The she dips her cucumber sandwiches in a, in a glass of tea. glass of warm tea. Iced tea. Iced tea, tea yes. Mm. So that's as deep as the wasp's character gets. She, she doesn't miss Hank at all. No. I don't think she was going out with Hank at this point, was she? Um, Magneto is the Jean-Michel Jarre of the Marvel Universe. If you have a look at the top of page 56, yeah. play that organ, dude. Get that light show going. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's playing. <laughs> Magneto. <laughs> I hate all of human human humankind. I hate all of human human humankind. I will kill them. I will kill them. I will kill them all. Magneto. <laughs> Incredibly patronising to Spider-Man here, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know that thing? Fantastic. For a minute and a couple of space missions, Spider-Man will be fine. Okay, don't you worry about it. Do you know what that long word means? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want me to come with you, Webs. I mean, you're faced. To, you're used to handling muggers. This is high stakes. And Spider-Man takes this. Yeah, I remember that next time I'm fighting Juggernaut, yeah, shall I? Yeah, this isn't my oh, Spider-Man. Turning into cosmic Spider-Man. Spider-Man would have just. Giving him a mouthful for that, wouldn't he? Yeah. He would have tore him a new one for that fighting move. Is that all I've ever done? Right, next time Manhattan's taken over by spiders, I'll just remember that, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you handle it, Johnny. You, you, you go now. Wait a minute, you're dead, aren't you? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Spider-Man's punched well 
above his weight on numerous occasions, including the next issue of this series. Yeah. So our character, that. Mm. The shot of Spider-Man on page 56, though, panel four, is excellent. Mm. I like that. Even though I think Mike Zek draws Spidey just a little bit too muscular. For my liking. Um, The Wasp also talks to herself. Which seems to be a common trope. Everyone talks to themselves. Everyone talks to themselves. I talk to myself all the time, but I'm not a superhero. Um, and this, this leads her into trouble. <laughs> this leads... Magneto people catches stop fighting her. sometimes. <laughs> I don't think that's what Captain America would say. He's actually British. Is he? Secretly. Secretly. Uh, issue two, I thought, continued in much the same vein as issue one. However... Worst shooter gets props is that he starts his story and just rolls on from the with all the exposition out of the way within the first few pages of issue one. Issue two gets down to setting up the various factions within the secret walls and showing allegiances and betrayals, and we get the first big fight scene between the warring factions. Doom continues to take point on the side of Team Bad Guy because, let's be honest, with the exception of Doctor Octopus, there isn't a brain cell between the rest of them, and his Machiavellian machinations are the highlight of the issue. Mm. Was my. Where did the lizard disappear through? The lizard just buggers off on his own. You'll find out what happened to the lizard in a couple of issues' time. But again, he's someone who's completely out of place here. Well, I forgot about him. I I, I looked back just before he did When did the lizard pop up, though? Where did you go? (laughs) What were you all about? Did it change after I read it? Uh, uh, This episode is obviously going to be longer than usual, because we're at an hour already. So we're just going to take a quick break before we plug somebody else's podcast. And I need to let my voice have a minute after that. And we'll be right back. Doom will return! (laughs) Doom will return and crush this beauty podcast! I'm getting a drink. You will listen to Doom! (laughs) Doom will listen to himself! This is the voice of the randomizer. Do you hear me, Earthman? You gave me your numbers and forced me to pick one. For that, you must face the consequences. Each week, I will make you review a random comic book. Do you hear me, Earthman? A random comic book. Yes, each week on the 20 Minute Long Box, I submit myself to the powers of randomness and review a title from my collection, completely at random and all within 20 minutes. It's the Super Compressed podcast for the decompressed, written for trade age. Join me, Steve Lacey, each week at 20minutelongbox.libsyn.com or find me on iTunes. And we're back. <coughs> Excuse me, it's the... Doom Returns! <laughs> Doom, thanks you for waiting. Doom, let's continue Doom's anecdotes. <laughs> Doom says, issue 3 came out in the US. Awesome things Doom On says, March volume 3. March 27th, 1984. <laughs> And was called Tempest Without Crisis Within. It was by all the same people, but there's no letter accredited at all. Things that make you go, hmm. So it lettered itself. Yes, it lettered well, itself. Doom lettered this comic! <laughs> Doom better than Christy Shield! He was a colorist, that's why Doom's better! <laughs> the co- 
cover. Crayons. The cover is Spider-Man owning the X-Men, and I think it's a corker, again by Zek Beatty. In the UK, this was split up to be issues four and five, and came out in June of 1985. Issue five of the UK reprint had a free Magneto sticker. Wow. Yes, how exciting was that? A storm rages and Magneto plots and schemes in his own hangout. He releases the Wasp, captured last issue, and starts laying some smooth moves on her. The names Nito, Magneto. Elsewhere, Team Hero explore the new age gym, and whilst Reed tries to figure out the alien tech, Spider-Man overhears the X-Men plotting to leave to join with Magneto. After totally owning their asses in a fight, deal with that smart-ass Wolverine, he heads off to tell the others, but Xavier mind-wipes him, so he forgets, and they head off. Magneto's lure, he's making some pretty good progress at getting into the Wasp pants. Whilst yeah. over at Doom HQ, Doctor Doom is taking two subjects and turning them into supervillains, the super strong Titania and Volcana. Where these two came from isn't explained yet. I thought it was possible that Doom kept two test subjects with him at all times so he could perform <laughs> ill-advised scientific experiments oh, when he's in his board. <laughs> As the storm breaks, Thor takes Enchantress away from all this to talk <laughs> and misses out on all the action as team bad guy launch an attack. They're taken out pretty quickly and Cap orders a retreat so they can regroup and reluctantly team hero retreat, leaving the villains to gloat. Was this the issue written by Barry White? Wow. Ha. And indeed. Ha. Do you want to take a point on your notes for this one before I take my mine? Okie dokie. Page 69, panel 4. Does Spidey not seem like a bit of a child to you? I'm going to rat on you. Uh, apparently, free will means nothing to this person. Well, it's funny that you should say that, given what Professor Xavier does to him. Yeah. Where free will doesn't really matter at all to Professor Xavier, apparently. Mm. Um, page 77, panel 3 and 4 had me a bit confused at um, what, what to face Titania was doing. Titania. W- was doing. But then, uh, panel five, I'm mean, laughing more than I had when Doom threatened Magneto. Why? It's, uh, why, are you, why are you gonna take that on me? We'll find on to you. Take it out on the bad guys we're fighting tomorrow. Just leave me alone, woman. <laughs> That's the absorbing man, isn't it? I'm trying to chill here. Go away. Chill it out. Chill it out, dude, with my homies. No, I never liked seeing Enchantress, really. Why not? Well, because um, the first time I really saw her was in um, Marvel Zombies vs. Army of Darkness, and she really scared me in that. Is she scary in that? She's, well, not really, but Ash is going along in Castle Doom, and Doom's going on in his anecdotes to uh, Scarlet Witch and the Dazzler. Right. So he's buggering off, and he sees Enchantress all chained up, and he's like, oh, Hello there. <laughs> and he frees her, and he's walking down, and then he meets her with Dazzler and a Scarlet Witch, and it's like, dude, you do know what the Enchantress's superpowers are, right? And it cuts to Ash, like, nope, and the Enchantress is behind him, like, about to eat him. <laughs> Ash being Bruce, the mighty Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Okay. The mighty chin. The mighty chin. Um, the page eight one panel three. Yeah. Yours is the most important important role. Not important. No, D- Doom says to uh, Owen Reese. Yes. So uh, what he's actually saying is, you must stand by Doom's side and do nothing. Perhaps you can <laughs> shout and encourage the others. And if you're good enough, maybe Doom will let you do a little dance. <laughs> Please, Doom, for Doom is your master. Yes. 
Dog's lucky. What is Tutu? <laughs> ride this unicycle. Oh, like a vicar in a tutu. And the more I read, the more I think that Marvel Captain Marvel is this story's token. A roadie never seems to get out of the armor. Uh, he doesn't initially, no. The first thing Captain Marvel does is take a bath. Mm. Which is fair enough, I suppose. It's probably quite sweaty fighting all these battles. And she's a woman. And she's a woman. <laughs> and women like... Are you, only, are you saying that only women like to bathe? No, I'm saying that women do it more than guys. Uh, I wouldn't bet the rent on that. Some some men are, are quite clean. I have a shower every single day, whether I need one or not. Uh, page 63. The Wasp comes back to Magneto's Come Online with la di da yeah. She's not exactly Spider-Man in the witty repartee department, is she? Mm. She's crap at this. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, well, um, um, you can go eat poo. <laughs> she's crap in this story, isn't she? Yeah. The Wasp. I really, really think she's not very well written at all. Uh, however, I do really like Magneto the Charmer. <laughs> He's almost Bondian in his smoothness here, isn't he? You're a woman. I'm a man. We know where this is going to end, don't we? <laughs> Let's cut to the chase. Let's see. Hmm. Page 65. It establishes that Hero HQ is as big as Chicago, yet is about to be crushed by a falling boulder, actually the peak of a nearby mountain. How big is the peak of the mountain if it can flatten the whole place? Fortunately, Thor sees it off, and the grin of ecstasy on his face in the middle panel of page 50, 56 is awesome yeah yeah that's brilliant that Thor's just so totally getting off on that Thor, Thor's a whirlwind in a trailer park Thor's great isn't he <laughs> I like I do love Thor in this story um Shooter seems to think that having all the men miss the women is deep characterisation and Hawkeye gets in on the act on page 66 where he's missing his new wife you know I'm pretty sure I'd miss Ange if I was spirited off to a far off planet to fight a near omnipotent alien being which has happened to me Okay. It has. Um, Did you then wake up minutes after? <laughs> sure. Uh, by having this be the only... No, this was back in college when, you know, experimental. Um, <clears throat> by having this be the only character beat, he seems to be able to play. He reduces the heroes to ciphers. None of them miss other things. Even simple like things cake. like ice cream or baseball. None of them miss chocolate chip cookies or, or sunsets over Central Park. Grass on a Sunday morning. Yeah, or the simple pleasure of lying in your own bed after you've just changed the sheets. <laughs> no, it's all, I miss my woman. I wish I wish to meet woman is not <laughs> You'll there. do. That's almost like Colossus in later issues. You'll do. You're a woman. You'll do. That's the no. test subjects. That's not writing three-dimensional characters. It's certainly not writing convincing women mm. to say they're all obsessed with shoes and her. <laughs> um, it's true though. <laughs> page sixty-eight. Michael said that, not me. It was a joke. That wasn't me. I did not say that. I said no responsibility for him saying I think I hear the horns of feminism. (laughs) Page 67. Iron Man's got roller skates in his shoes. Yes, he does. (laughs) Does he always have them? He has them in the early Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. I'll I'll go along with that. I just thought that was quite cool. (laughs) He also calls Captain Marvel Babe. Well. She bites his head off about that in a couple of issues' time, which I thought was quite good. I like that she she said, look, I ain't your babe. I like that. Damn. I like that. I thought that was quite good. 
Um, for all the flack I've given Jim Shooter about his writing in the past couple of issues, but the scene between Reed and Cap on page 67 and 68 is really well handled, and actually read like two real people having a conversation. It's not schmaltzy. It's Reed missing his pregnant wife. Yeah. And I'll give that much more of a pass than I miss my woman <laughs> because he's got something else at stake there. Yeah. And Sue could go into labour at any minute. She was eight and a half months pregnant when he got spirited off to the Secret Wars. So I'm down with Reed being like that. How long did the Secret Wars last? Um, as far as the people at home were concerned, they were only gone five minutes. Uh, but for them it was... I mean, I don't know how long this entire story takes. It can't be long. Mm. None of them seem to change the clothes or anything. So they're all probably getting a bit rank. Maybe that's why Captain Marvel had a bath. Um, the fact that the Hulk immediately undercuts any sentimentality helps this scene as well. Mm. Hulk's your mate who's just not having any of that filth, isn't he? Yeah. Stop, stop whining, boys! What the hell? Well, shown to watch zombies, not two guys <laughs> talking about feelings. Not two guys talking about their feelings? Cheers. Um, I do like that Spider-Man's off on his own exploring the facility. There's something very in-character about Spider-Man going, right, bugger this, I'm off. Yeah. I'm just going to take off on my own. Um, of all he shiny objects. Yes. Of all the characters here, Spider-Man's the most out of his element. He's not, and never has been, part of a team. I don't care that he's in the Avengers now. That's just wrong. He's well out of his native environment, and apart from Johnny Storm, he's not particularly close to any of these people. It's one of the things I used to like about Spider-Man that didn't sit well with me in, in Straczynski's room. Spidey didn't hang around with these people in civilian life. His out-of-mask friends weren't other superheroes. Supervillains, yes, yeah. but not other heroes. I also like his line about the X-Men being antisocial, because that's very much a case of pot. Meet Kettle. Because <laughs> Spider-Man's not very social, is he? No. To be honest with you. The X-Men, speaking of, fall into the default position of Whoa, is us, nobody likes us. Yes, the Wasp and Hawkeye have been rather intolerant of our mutant friends, but they have both been portrayed as being a bit jerky. And I don't think we're supposed to think that their opinion is the predominant feeling of the rest of the superheroes. But it seems to be that going off on your own and fiddling with Spider-Man's mind may not be the best way to go about earning people's trust. We've all read Identity Crisis. Well, yeah. Yeah, and that ended well, didn't it? Uh, Xavier's line about memory-wiping Spider-Man on page 71 can be read as really creepy, mm. where he says there is no escape from my power. <laughs> and you're like, are you a good guy? Bloody hell. That being said, the art in this sequence is pretty damn good, and Spider-Man owns yeah. the X-Men, which I just loved. I love seeing Wolverine. Uh, I liked Wolverine saying, we, we've gotten our ass handed to us like twice Yeah, <laughs> like we're, we're crap, we <laughs> are. And he's right, they are. Yeah. And no wonder people don't fear him. <laughs> um, Cyclops also misses his wife. Yeah. Let's let's just point that out. Deep <laughs> characterisation. Page 74 and 75. Yes, the character who got yeah. hardships. Three dimensional. Page 74 and 75. Shut up, Doom! Doom will not silence for no one. God. Dance like it. Uh, okay. Doom, do the Snoopy dance. Doom gives the two women who showed up from nowhere superpowers, but not super smarts. As the first thing Titania does to show off her newfound strength is to chuck a big rock out the window <laughs> into the storm, leaving a huge hole in the wall for the wind and the rain to get in. Well done! I hope she's going to clean that mess up. Thanks, Titania. That's uh, real great. Yeah, cheers. I'm wearing iron armor. <laughs> I'm you can get rusted. rusted. <laughs> <laughs> you 
brilliant. I'll think of that next time you ask for superpowers. <laughs> uh, halfway through the issue, the lettering changes, which could be why no lettering was credited. Okay. Maybe this was a many hands mm. deal. Uh, Shooter does handle some of the characterization very well. He posts Thor up with the Entrantress as being the only two Asgardian gods on the planet. Has Doom pal up to the Molecule Man as Doom realises his potential and the material with the Hulk realising he's slowly losing his Banner's intelligence is quite well handled. The heroes are all beaten pretty easily at the end. It has to be said. The Hulk's taken out of position pretty quick with a, a big rock. <laughs> Basically, there's a lot of big rocks. What killed the Hulk? I think it was this rock, sir. <laughs> I can't wait to show my friends. I wish they had a rock this big. <laughs> what was your final impression of issue number three? Or is it just more of the same? I thought it was more of the same. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Issue four came out in the US on April 24th, 1984. And in the UK, spread across issues six and seven of Marvel Superior Secret Wars. Bi-weekly. Uh, they were dated 5, 5th to the 19th of July and the 20th of July to the 2nd of August 1985. And issue 7 had a free Wolverine sticker. Interestingly, on neither issue did the UK reprints utilise the US cover. Instead, commissioning two brand new covers. One of Doom proudly holding Thor's cape aloft proclaiming the death of the God of Thunder by excellent British artist Bob Wakelin who did some marvellous covers for the UK reprints around this time, and a reimagining of the US cover by John Higgins of the Hulk holding up the mountain that's just been dropped on the heroes. The US cover is similar, albeit from a much further vantage point by artist Bob Layton, and late iterations of the trade paperback has a different sketch of Layton's, a take on the famous Steranko Hulk cover that's worth having a look at. Make sense of that. Uh, Leighton also takes over as the penciler for the issue, but the other credits remain the same. The story is called Situation Hopeless. Team Bad Guy destroy Team Hero HQ by blowing it up and then swear they will hunt down the remaining heroes like dogs! Conveniently finding a pair of binoculars, Dr. Octopus spots them regrouping and Molecule Man drops a mountain on them, which was just awesome. Fortunately, Entrantress is busy trying to chat up Thor and almost succeeded. So he wasn't there and, upon returning to the scene of the crime, is attacked by Team Bad Guy. After a pretty damn good fight scene where Enchantress betrays Thor to doom, Thor is killed. Well... Almost. In actuality, he creates a diversion and heads off to see if his comrades are really most sincerely dead. Meanwhile, oblivious, the X-Men are chummying up to Magneto. The Wasp has had enough, although Magneto does make her a nice comb because the Wasp is missing being able to comb her her, and she takes off after yeah, beating the X-Men in a fight to warn her friends of the X-Men's betrayal. Let me just repeat that. The Wasp beats the X-Men in a fight. <laughs> Not the best there is at what you do now, are you, Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> I Pim can take this girl down and we can't <laughs> her friends are currently under a big rock which the Hulk is preventing from killing them but even so they can't last much longer Reed cobbles together a gizmo from stone knives and burskins actually Iron Man's armour, Spider-Man's web shooters and Hawkeye's trick arrows MacGyver. The, um, <laughs> he MacGyver's something doesn't he uh, that blows away half the mountain top but doesn't even singe the Hulk's hurt Free, Team Hero reunite with Thor and Captain Marvel finds them a village to recuperate it. Fortunately, the village has a healer, not named Chandra Kinsolving, although her powers work the same way, and she heals the wounded heroes. However, Reed spooks the whole village when Galactus starts to make his move. Well, uh, Molecule Man's called Owen, eh? Yes, Owen Reese. There's a tad on the interesting side. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're not threatened by somebody called Owen. No. Yeah, we're about to die. Please, first, tell me your name. I'm, 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 I'm Owen. Nice to meet you. Oh. Hey, Owen. Yeah, right, Owen. Couldn't you be called Max or Zeus? <laughs> Are they good names for the molecule, man? Zeus. <laughs> Max Molecule. Zeus, kill you now. <laughs> That's a good name. Um, and so whilst everything's going down, Thor's hanging off with the Enchantress. Well, he, he would be hanging off the Enchantress. He'd give it half a chance, I think. You know, He's got to some And if Thor dies now, well, I, I, I realised by reading the rest of the issue that he didn't. But yes. when Thor does die, is this around the time that he's replaced by that other dude who wears Thor's costume but with a mask? Was that Thunderstrike? Was it... I can't remember. I may be mixing up my thought chronology. I'm no good at stuff like that. The Mike Bailey amazes me. Yeah. That he can just go, ah, yes, 1985, this happened in this book, and this happened in this book. And his memory, his recall is astounding. I'm like, yeah, that happened at some point in issue, <laughs> in between issue one and two. I remember we were an issue of uh, it was Spider-Man. An issue, but yeah. I remember one panel where Spider-Man's holding a tree. I remember exactly yeah, that one. He would, he'd be able to do total recall. I'm crap. Uh, stuff like that. I don't remember if that was Thunderstrike. I don't remember if this was around then. It could be. Page 100, panel 5. Yes. Magneto goes to hit the wasp. It's like the ultimates all over again. Or before even. <laughs> uh, but just to confuse everyone, before the ultimates did it. Yeah. Um, uh, all page 102, panel 3. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Professor Xavier goes, uh, I was no better than Doom. Or Hitler. Hmm. So, okay, Charles, let's not go too far. All you did was delete Spidey's browsing history for the last couple of minutes. (laughs) I succumbed to temptation and psionically prevented Spider-Man from delaying our journey. That was a crime. An act I shall long regret. He didn't seem to regret it at the time. In fact, if memory serves, he said something along the lines of, you should fear my power. And you're like, really, Charles? Multiple personalities. Okay, just now you're starting to worry about whether that was morally dubious. When he's in a wheelchair, he's a nice guy. When he's on his feet, he's a mean bad guy. He's a mean son of a... Uh, Page 87. Once again, there's an awful lot of convenient finding things that have somehow serviced the plot going on here. From Dr. Octopus's binoculars to various rocket craft to HQs to, as we saw at the end of this issue, somebody who can heal... Heal? Somebody who can heal injuries with a touch. It reminded me of the first three Harry Potter books where Harry finds absolutely essential information out that is completely necessary to the plot by accident. Or it could just be that they wanted to sell lots of action figures and accessories. The eavesdrop community. (laughs) Uh, Also, page 87, I do like that Shooter has different relationships sprouting up here. Different people are purring up. If the first order of business is survival, then people, when trapped in a far-off place, would start coupling up. Here we see Thor and the Enchantress, which makes sense, being the only two members of Asgard. Molecule Man and Volcana, Titania and the Absorbing Man, and even the Torch and the, the Healer Girl, who, as of this writing, wasn't given a name. This is a nice little human touch that if the series had taken place over an expanded period of time, I would have liked to see spread out over to the heroes' camp as well. Can you imagine a wasp-spider-man hookup? Yeah. If the wasp can get past a natural aversion to spiders, obviously. The bug relationship. Yeah, the bug... <laughs> Page 89. I was quite amused by the fact that in panel 2, Spider-Man's pants are ripped in the arse. Yeah. Well, they're fixed in the next panel. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they didn't want to show spider butt. 
Maybe that was considered too much for the, the comics. Oh, God. Page 91. It hasn't actually been mentioned in the story proper yet that this isn't Tony Stark in the armour. But Jim Rhodes still has the eye for the ladies that Tony had, taking more than a few admiring glances at Captain Marvel, mm. doesn't he? And he ends up carrying her when she passes out. I'm sure that was just luck. Yeah. Um, the problem with having somebody as powerful as the Molecule Man around is that he could end the story right here. And mm. pretty much does. Right, I'm just going to dump a rock on him. <laughs> and he does. And if not, that mouse in that. Yeah, that one. All right. <laughs> They're all dead. What should we do now? I still have a cup of tea. Yeah, a cup of tea. That's your brew. Um, page ninety-five. I love Thor's way of saying "until hell freezes over." Did you read that? Yeah. That was just gorgeous. When icicles ornament Satur's fiery realm. I miss Thor speak. Yeah. It was the only thing missing from the, the movie. We didn't even get I say the nay, did we? Mm. Or for Odin for Asgard. Ugh, it was the only thing missing from that film, otherwise it was very good. Taste mine hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Taste the hammer of Thor! The battle between Thor and Team Bad Guy is pretty epic, given that it only lasts a couple of pages. The Enchantress's betrayal of Thor is really well handled. Thor never really expected otherwise, but is still disappointed by her reaction. This is exceptionally well followed up when, thinking Thor has been blasted to pieces, the Enchantress is visibly upset. Mm. So it wasn't just manipulation to her. She does actually genuinely care about Thor, even though she's a bad guy. Page 99... The Beyonder apparently thought of everything. The atmosphere being conducive to human and alien life, transport, shelter, food, etc. But does not provide bathrooms. We still want bathrooms. Yeah. yeah, there's somewhere to bathe. Well, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't give us a bathroom. pink things squirming around uh, Magneto's little house. <laughs> alien poop. Yeah, well, this, this probably explains why in Spider-Man, in Secret Wars 2... Spider-Man had to explain out to the Beyonder how to use a toilet. Okay. That's true. Then we'll see what you've got to do is point. Just point and shoot, son. <laughs> so the Beyonder's in Seacross. Yeah, he comes to Earth in Seacross. Is, isn't he that, that guy? He's, he's just that guy, you know? Okay. Page 101. The Wasp was running a cunning ruse. Well played, <laughs> Wasp. Ruse. Well played. I wonder how far she was willing to go. Well... Hmm. I just wonder if she really is a master of magnetism. <laughs> well, he seems to be doing quite well. Uh, especially as she now has a spanking new comb. Because <laughs> she got something else of it, didn't she? Well, she got a comb. I always wanted this comb. Yeah, I can't wait to tell all my friends. I wish I had a comb. I wish I needed one. Uh, page 104. To keep the Hulk on task and not wallowing in maudlin self-pity, Reed smacks him down. Yeah, I like Way it. to go, Reed. Well, that's exactly the kind of self-pity mewling we expect from you, Hulk. <laughs> oh, owned him. Excellent. Page 105. Iron Man sounds really evil when he proclaims, there's nothing this armour can't do. Mm. So it's like all of the, the good guys are drunk on power in this, aren't they? Is it foreshadowing something? I don't know. It could be foreshadowing why Jim Rhodes is ultimately ousted from the Iron Man armour. Because I've not read those stories, so I don't know why. Um, I I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really quite a good issue. There were some neat little character asides and a pretty good ratcheting up of the tension. Shooter has the hero squabbling as much as the villains. Uh, I did like that he didn't tease Thor's death over a few issues. Yeah. Like they would have done today. Within two pages. Like, no, no, I'm not dead. I'm here. It's alright, don't worry about me. Lost me hat, though. Lost me nifty little hat. 
What are going to do about that? <laughs> what happens if it thunders and lightens? No. <laughs> no, I've got no hat. Um, and that's going to be it for today because we've ran much longer than we should have done. I didn't think we could talk that much about Secret Wars given that you didn't even want to do it. Uh. Every time we end an episode, this bloody cat comes and sticks his ass on me microphone. Be gone. Be gone, ginger one. Go and annoy somebody else. Annoy like the wind. Uh, next time, we'll be back with issues 5, 6, 7 and 8 of Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. Marvel Superheroes? Can't even be bothered saying it, can I? So I hope you'll join us. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode and we'll be back next time. See ya! Bye. Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at apleyland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. <laughs>